It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hope you enjoyed your long weekend if you had one. As always, the podcast is available on the Himalaya podcast app, on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, on Spotify, and other places around the internet. Joe, how was your 4th of July weekend? You worked, eh? I did. I worked day shift, so uh, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. I made it through. Today's the last day, even though I feel a little sick, and they're still blowing fireworks off in the neighborhood. Yeah, so if you hear anything exploding, we're sorry. Yeah. It's Those not are fireworks. Shots. It's what? It's not gunshots. That's that's good. Well, you've never lived in the hood? Uh, no, I haven't personally. Not 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 where gunshots are going off anyway. Three things you'll hear. Car alarms, gunshots, and shopping carts being driven down the sidewalks, which makes a lot of noise. All right. So today we continue our countdown to kickoff series. We are at numbers 65 through 63 to catch up. 65, of course, is Clinton Bowling, a stalwart on the Cincinnati offensive line. He's been a Bengal since 2011, was one of the better guards in the league for a a probably three-year stretch in his prime from 2013 to 2015. And then with the departure of Andrew Whitworth, the departure of Kevin Zeitler, he became really the only guy that you could trust on the Bengals' offensive line. And he was he held up well in pass protection. He's been an above-average pass-protecting guard for his whole career, really, since his rookie season, since he started starting in 2012. Uh, but his run blocking the last couple of years hasn't graded out so well from pro football focus. He's always been a disciplined player. He doesn't get a ton of penalties. Last year's five was actually the most he's had in his career. And it's only the second time in his career he's had more than three penalties in a year. And he's dealt with injuries, but he's been durable. Or should, is that the toughness aspect of playing through them? Uh, because if you look, just 2013 was his only year since he became the starter in 2012 where he had under 800 snaps. The other years average out to be about 1,000 snaps every year. So he's out there pretty much every time. 
Man, those are some real fireworks they have going in your neighborhood, huh? Oh, it's legit. Like, I don't have to go anywhere to see fireworks. I just sit in the backyard. Man. So Clint Bowling, of course, played at Georgia. He was a tackle at Georgia, played tackle and guard. Played beside Cordy Glenn when the last time Cordy Glenn played guard was when Clint Bowling was his left tackle at Georgia. Yeah. He played golf. Or no, his favorite hobby is golf. Sorry. Um, I can't find much about his high school career here, except he was an all-state player in Georgia. Since his first year starting, where he gave up six sacks, the most sacks he's ever given up in a season is four. So he's had uh, 2013, zero sacks, okay? And then three, four, three, two, four. His run blocking has uh, dipped based on PFF grades for the last three years. Yeah, I mentioned that a bit earlier as well. He has been part of some very, very good offensive lines. Of course, we've heard through the grapevine, the Twitter grapevine, that Clint Bowling's career is in question. Yep. Yep. So we'll have to see what the official news is, but he has not suited up for any practices. I don't even think he's been working on the injury fields, which would be consistent with what we've heard. Right, and that makes sense. I think uh, they're holding on to him in case something changes, but they don't expect it. We can all hope. We can certainly hope that something yep. will change for, for Clint Bowling. I think he deserves it. He's got a couple kids now. Yeah. His wife, Kelly Bowling. Uh, active on Twitter, one of the one of the active offensive line wise. Um, you know the thing that strikes me though is that really uh, the 2011 draft that started off the run from 11 to 15, right? Mm-hmm. And it was AJ Green, Andy Dalton, Clint Bowling. I mean, those three became consistent, solid starters at the very least. I'm thinking of at least Bowling, but you know, borderline Hall of Famer for A.J. Green. Just such a good draft to get all that, and to think that we're already at the point of one of them potentially retiring, and I know it's it's it may be based on medical, but that we're already at that point, you know, of that era slipping away a little. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear the most pessimistic amongst the Bengals fans saying they've squandered this roster with Andy Dalton for the last 11, not 11, the last seven years, eight years eight. now. Yeah. I, I've never really been one of those. I, I've, I've always thought that they could have gotten it done with Dalton. They had the rosters in place a couple years, I think, to get it done with Dalton. And then, you know, they, they didn't have the guys stepping up. Right. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they squandered it. It was it was injuries at key positions, right? It was and, like injuries to guys that made games. the offense go. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and big games, big moments, right? They couldn't collectively do it. They lost their composure and cool, and couldn't rise above so many times through the. Yeah, I mean the the San Diego game stands out big time for that. Although yeah. there was a big difference in that San Diego had, I think Melvin Ingram was hurt the first time they played, and he came back and played pretty well in the wild card game. Yes. Point being is, though, in every it, it didn't matter if it was the Dalton era or even the Carson Palmer era. They pretty much played the same in every playoff game, which makes you think, did they squander it with the Marvin Lewis-led team? Yeah, and, I mean, maybe we'll have a chance to find out. That's right. the optimist, right? The optimist says Zach Taylor is going to come in and get him to the playoffs, and we won't have yep. the same sort of choke job. But I, I really have a hard time... I, I don't know how much coach... I mean, coaching in football probably matters more than in any other sport. Yeah, but it's, it still comes down to the players on the field. Yes, there's there's a lot to be said about play calling and getting guys ready, getting them on the right tape, getting them adapted the right way. 
And we talk Confidence. a lot about Bill Belichick's ability to do this, but the players still have to execute. Definitely. And and if they are able to turn it around or get better coaching or get an, an advantage for with Zach Taylor, I'm sad in that it may be without Clint Bowling. Like I said, yeah. because he's been such a um, cornerstone for them, a dependable piece that's always been cheap because they've always extended him early. He's been reliable and versatile that can go anywhere and play any position if needed. And uh, I think he's one of the guys that had he been able to, to finish his career another three, four years, whatever of been. He's a Wall of Fame type candidate for a uh, for a franchise and uh, Ring um, of Honor type for sure. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Wall of Fame, Ring of Honor. We're just saying, you know, di- same difference, right? I yep. think that's. But uh, yes, if, if I think he's one of those type of guys that if we look back and we say build a team, um, you know, at left guard, it, it could be Clint Bowling. Who else would it be? I mean, if, we did if this you, right. If you don't count Evan Mathis, was it Max Mentoya who we picked? Uh, yeah. You mean all time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's like their all-time best left guard, but he's definitely like he's in the conversation, though. He's sure. I mean, he's if they keep ten offensive linemen all time, Clint Bowling might be the tenth, ninth. Yeah, for building a full roster. I mean, maybe he's on the fringe. He was a good guard. I'm not saying he wasn't. I think that you know it just gets crowded. It does probably pretty quick, especially if you include guys like Evan Mathis that. that Bobby Williams guys have played a couple years in Cincinnati. Sure. I wonder if, if you were to do it, would you put like, you had to play more than five years on the roster, you know, that because Evan Mathis was such a blip on the radar. If it was for a uh, wall or, or wall of fame, a ring of honor type thing, right. it would have to be contributions to the Bengals. If it's, you're making the all time roster, right. then it's a little yep. bit different probably. But I anyway, uh, let's take the first of our breaks before we get to the next number on our list, uh, which is 64. We're basically talking left guards today, huh? We're talking certainly offensive guards. And, and for the Bengals in 2019, left guard candidates. That's that's correct. Anyway, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk John Jerry, the new addition to the Bengals who wears number 64. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes – It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Uh, Jake, it's my anniversary today. Is it? Yeah, not my wedding anniversary. My Twitter anniversary. Oh. Ten years. I was going to say, what are you doing recording a podcast with me right now? Right, at night. Just tell my wife I'm going upstairs. No, my <laughs> Twitter anniversary, man, which has it's, been a springboard for my career here. Is there anything cool that Twitter does for, for anniversaries? I saw you had the balloons, but there weren't like highlights share. or anything. 
Well, it, they just send you a picture. Like as soon as I I logged on this morning, I look and uh, it just said here here's a picture with a number ten on it. It's your ten oh. year anniversary. So okay. that's it. Gotcha. Well, happy ten year anniversary. I don't know what oh, what I'm on. Thank you. You've got to be at least seven, eight. Uh, probably around eight now. Yeah. So John eight, Jerry. Ten years ago, though, was the oh, 2009 season. Mm-hmm. The Bengals made the playoffs that year. I was just thinking of where I was in July of 10 years ago. I didn't have many kids. The Bengals had a completely different quarterback and team. Chad Johnson was still on the team. It's been a whole lifetime. Did you go straight to football when you started on Twitter? Do you remember? I remember doing it because uh, they were on Hard Knocks that year. And Mm. Chad and Andre Caldwell and other guys were – they're like, yeah, Twitter's cool. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. You can talk to athletes and stuff. That sounds like fun. So, no, I wasn't using it as a way to try and write or anything or uh, get my name out there. I was just using it as a fan. It's in the early days of Twitter when people were real real loose about what they said on the Internet. Oh, yeah. I'll eventually be fired for those years. Well, I thought, didn't you say they went through? They scrubbed it for yes. you? <laughs> yeah, when the athletic hired me, they said, hey, you have one tweet we'd like to delete. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And it was basically, it was a uh, Marvel comic panel from back in the day. Yeah. And it was, I didn't make it, but I tweeted it out. Uh, speaking of, of Marvel, by the way, before we get to John Jerry, who we've said his name a few times, how we keep procrastinating. I saw I saw Spider-Man. Oh, you did? Did you I like it? I enjoyed it. Did you know who Mysterio was going in? No. Right, so that's fun then. But, but well, let's just leave it there. Right, because you can't talk about it. Yeah, we can't talk we'll about talk it off yet. Air. We have yeah, to right. do moratorium. All right, so John Jerry, shall we? Yes. John Jerry was a two-way player in high school in Batesville, Mississippi, where he won two straight state titles in 2003 and 2004 and was a state semifinalist or, or finalist, I guess. They lost the state championship in 2002. He was a three-star recruit and the number 27 offensive tackle prospect in the country. And he's massive, so it's not surprising that he was a tackle. 6'5", 340 now, probably a little bit later in high school. But he was he's probably always been a I big guy so. just looking at him. Uh, he was, as a two-way player, as a senior, he had a pick six. Wow. Imagine 6'5", 340-pound John Jerry offensive guard. Returning a pick six. Probably nobody wanted to tackle. So he's probably playing nose tackle. You think he dropped into coverage or you think he read a screen and got in front of it? I have no idea, but I'm sure he was a man amongst boys athletically and from a size perspective in high school. This is what we'll ask him when we meet him, though. Yeah. John, tell us about your high school pick six, man. What was that about? Was that cool? I I, I don't know. He was recruited as a tackle, so he might have been an end in high school. Just just okay. like, I'm sure he was more athletic than all those kids out there. He wasn't an end. If he was 200, I mean, you're saying this is a really good high school, though, right? So they're yeah, probably all was, big. He, they, he was 44-1 and one while he was there. Yeah, so he, they're probably all big kids. But he had to be at least 275, 280, right? Yeah, but like sometimes it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, maybe he's just picking up the center and walking him back to the quarterback every time because that would make sense. But right. he was playing tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think they all play tackle at that age, though. Yeah, if they're really good, you don't you don't play guard. And how many high yeah. school guards you think go to college play guard and then go to the NFL play guard? Couple. I bet you that's rare. Handful, yeah, not not too many. Probably, I agree with that. Uh, he did take a year 
Before he went to Ole Miss, he played at Hargrave Military Academy and then started at right guard for Ole Miss in 2006. Did he um, play tackle at all at Ole Miss? Does it say? He moved to right tackle in 2008, yeah. so as a senior. His first two years, he played guard, mm. and then he played tackle in 2008 and was uh, a second-team All-SEC. He has 34-inch arms, so that makes sense. Yeah, in 2009, he was number five on Rivals.com's preseason offensive tackle power ranking. Oh, really? And then he was drafted in the third round and played guard right away. When I pulled him up on Mock Draftable to check his uh, combine measurements and times, he came up as a tackle first. That's why I asked. He didn't pass the three-cone. Or, or is it the uh, short shuttle? The short shuttle he yeah, actually shuttle. did pass the, the higher threshold. Yeah. And when you put him on interior offensive line, it puts him in the 56 percentile. All of his testing is pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, decent. Yep. Uh, he's big. I feel big. like six, for six, his size, he has weirdly small hands. Yeah. Nine and three quarters <laughs> inch hands for being for having 34-inch arms and being 6'6". Six, six. That's Which mean. isn't small hands for a normal person. But when you're as large as him... It's like slightly disproportionate, maybe. I don't know. We're yeah. nitpicking. Yeah, I think so. He was picked number 73 overall in the 2010 NFL Draft. The 2010 NFL Draft, you might remember as the draft when the Bengals picked Jordan Shipley and Carlos Dunlap and uh, that Geno Atkins fella. I don't remember who they picked in the first round now. Is that Jermaine Gresham? I, I think so, yes. That was that. Had year. to be. Yeah. Yes. Who was a pro bowler, so, you know, good for them. The only the only players that weren't pro bowlers that were picked at either Jermaine Gresham or earlier, Kareem Jackson, Sean Witherspoon, Derek Morgan, Brandon Graham, Anthony Davis, Tyson Alavalu, Rolando McClain, and Sam Bradford. More more pro bowlers than not from Jermaine Gresham and up. Really? Yeah. And That's Kareem cool. Jackson, like, he's, he's a pro bowl level corner. He's had he's years where he's good. been deserving. Yeah, he's really physical, good against screens, good tackler. I think he played some safety also. And Brandon Graham's also, I think, borderline Pro Bowl kind of guy. Oh, Brandon Graham is perpetually underrated. He is a key member of why the Eagles are so good and so talented. Yeah. So, yeah, picks two through seven, and then a bunch of the rest of them. There are a lot of Pro Bowlers that year, but Jermaine Gresham was one of them. So So he started playing John Jerry in 2010. Yep. for the Miami Dolphins, one year before Clint Bowling, obviously, as we said, 2011 for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really didn't become a full-time starter until 2012, only had one year, 2015, where he didn't really play 1,000 snaps. He had 644 that year. His grades are pretty steady, Jake. Yeah, it's a lot like Clint Bowling in a lot of ways. Steady pass blocker, probably really hard to move and really hard to get around. Yep. And as an interior guy... When you're that big and that long, it makes sense to me that he'd be a good pass protector. Looks like a little bit more penalties than bowling traditionally yeah. has. Yeah. Um, but maybe gives up even less sacks. There's one year of five, one year of four, but everything else is two or one. And, and that includes a year, at least, on a pretty bad Giants offensive line in 2017. Yeah, 2015, even 644 snaps. That series cut short. So 400 pass black snaps, no sacks allowed, That's 14 pressures. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's really yeah. good. So he's got a profile as a solid pass blocker. He didn't play in 2018, though, which is the red flag for John Jerry. He is he's now 33? 33 years old, and he's coming off a year of not playing football. That's not ideal. So 
you have conditioning questions, I think, for him. The connection, of course, is is the blemish. The biggest blemish on John Jerry is that he was named many, many times in the bullying report that was tied right. to uh, Jim Turner John, and, and the offensive Martin. line yeah. room in 2014. Yeah, he was. And I, it didn't seem to affect him. He went to the Giants. He played. He was a starter there. Yeah. Um, for whatever, you know, they just must have thought he was spent the league as a whole. Because I would say 2017 was his worst year, right? I mean, uh, in terms yeah, of looking sure. at it, overall, it's his worst graded year on PFF. His run blocking was for the first time dipped into the under below 60 since 2012. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably up. His worst year is probably 2012. But once he was established as a veteran, his last year was his worst year. It's actually really weird that he didn't make the Giants in 2018. Yes. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. Maybe Me too, because he was play. he was the same in the preseason as he had been in the last five years. So he was cut in the preseason. He was he played all four preseason games and then didn't get signed anywhere. I bet you I, it's really weird because he was definitely still playing at an NFL level. He had a 71 overall grade in the in the preseason from PFF. Pass blocking yeah. was just fine. Yep, two pressures, no sacks on 72 pass blocks. Yeah. So I, I wonder what happened there. I wonder if there's a, a story there that we haven't researched. Yeah, when, and he said uh, himself when he was signed, he didn't think he'd be signed again. He thought he was done. I believe it was his wife that told him to, to stay in shape or he may get a chance, and the Bengals called him. Uh, so, you know, it makes you think he wanted the opportunity. It just wasn't there for him. Yeah. Very strange cut, I'd say. Because who was playing guard for them last year? Well, they drafted Will Hernandez. Mm. Right. Anyway, John Jerry will compete with the next guy on our list, but we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about number 63, Christian Westerman. The mystery, the enigma, the ball of promise the Bengals fans have been clamoring for for the last probably two years. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back for the last segment as the fireworks blow off behind me. And we're going with one of the most exciting players next on our list, number 63, Christian Westerman. I think could potentially give them an upgrade. One of the few guys I think can that have been sitting on the bench. I just hope we're all right about him. He's been a, a nationally recognized player since high school. He was a number one guard prospect in the country, according to scout.com as a high schooler and the number two offensive tackle prospect as in the country, according to ESPN. Really? That's high school really All-American, USA, USA Today High School All-American, AP, top 25 players in the West, and played in the Under Armour All-American game. So what you're saying is he was very, uh, he's got a good pedigree. He's been good since he was in high school. He actually weighed too much to play in seventh grade. According to Bengals.com, at 235 pounds in seventh grade, he was ineligible to play football due to weight limits. So he took up boxing. Boxing, because he did wrestle too, right? I, I doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't say, that? say that he wrestled. I, he did. I don't know. All right, so uh, maybe I'm making that up. His dad was an offensive line, offensive lineman for yes, uh, I know that Cal, and yep. his mom is a dancer and fitness expert, former Miami Dolphins cheerleader. You know that's a weird thing because he's always been good. He's, his dad was a coach. Um, people said it took him a while at Arizona State to catch on, and then when he did, he was fantastic. And then. Um, even a lot of people thought he could play center in, in, in the NFL. And if he got a chance there, that might be his best position. Lance Zerline of NFL.com, who is – his dad was an offensive line coach. He he loves looking at offensive line, getting good information there. Uh, since the Westerman hasn't been able to get on the field, a lot of what I've heard and is that he has struggled to pick up mentally, has struggled to uh, be dependable in everything else – besides being on the field. Uh, so it's it's interesting that he has dealt with that for being a coach's son and always having that success. Westerman's dad was a coach? Isn't that what you just said? He played. Oh, his dad played. I'm sorry. That's he what played I at Cal. I don't think he coached. Okay. So he comes from, from a playing background, and he's been good for a very long time. Maybe was able to get by on his physical gifts. For yeah, for quite a while, he did transfer. He you would think he'd have the finer points though with his dad. Yeah, maybe, or he just never had to learn them. But but it depends. I mean, it depends. Depends on what kind of what kind of relationship they had, True. right? And like, if his dad was a brawler, if he was a technician. True. And he, I mean, his dad played it. It was a three year starter at Cal, so he didn't play mm-hmm. in the NFL. Uh, Westerman did redshirt at Auburn, and then was injured his second year at Auburn, and then he transferred to Arizona State. Gotcha. So he he was kind of around in in college. He was at two schools. He was there for five years. That's why he's twenty six now. Right. After three years, which isn't too old, going into year four, but uh, he's he's past twenty six now. So, but but in the fifth round, you know what? Actually, before we talk about that, the the number two tackle for ESPN and the number one guard for Scout dot com had to redshirt his first year and then then had to transfer after an injury. Did yeah. not have a good time for, for sounds, a very highly touted recruit. Sounds like his NFL career so far. Sounds a lot like his NFL career, except when he's been on the field in the NFL, which is where I think you were going, he's been excellent. 
preseason, regular season, whatever it is. Since 2016, as you pointed out, Joe, before we started recording, his grading has improved every year in the preseason in every category. He was the Bengals' really only plus run blocker, you would say, in, in 2018 preseason. And when he's gotten on the field in the regular season, he's been good too. Especially he, he, last year. Especially especially in 2018. He had a bit of a rough game against Pittsburgh with a penalty weighing him down. But against the Chargers and against Tampa, he was excellent at left guard. He also had to go to right guard against Pittsburgh. So, yeah, some small and, changes there. And that's one of the, the questions they had, the, the previous staff had, is that can he play more than just left guard? Can he play right guard? Can he play center? Can he help them out in any other way? And I think that limited him from getting on the field because they didn't feel he yeah. could. Yeah. Uh, so that it makes sense why he may have struggled a little bit more against the Steelers. But he, we talked about a lot of offensive linemen at this point being at number 63. It's hard for us to find a guy that's had a positive run-blocking grade. And Westerman from, on PFF from last year, now it's only, what, was it, 93 snaps or something? 80 overall run-blocking. That's far and above anybody else on the, on this roster. And then pass-blocking is in 80, 81. So he was flawless. No sacks last year. Two pressures, and no sacks in preseason throughout his career, too. And you may wonder why we're talking about preseason. Well, he's had 433 snaps in the preseason versus 183 in his NFL career. Every time he's out there. And you mentioned, I think, when, when you, last week we had a question, what, what, or maybe it was two weeks ago, what's the offensive line going to be? You think it's going to be John Jerry. Interestingly, Paul Daner over at The Athletic, who is your co-worker at The Athletic at this point, I guess I should say, uh, he thinks that it's going to be Westerman getting the first Great. Chance, but it will be an open competition. But he thinks Westerman is, is option A. You think maybe John Jerry, or I wonder if this is a better question for him, but now I'm just openly asking. You think John Jerry is brought in then as an emergency? Like, all right, at the very least, if Westerman can't grasp this job, if Michael Jordan's not ready as a rookie... Uh, we like Hopkins as a backup, which seems silly because you need a starter. But maybe he's not competing for that job, or he is. But the point being is, at the very least, if those things don't work out, I feel like I can plug John Jerry in. This is Jim Turner speaking. Yeah. And get a certain level of play and familiarity. Yeah, I think John Jerry is Jim Turner's Andre Smith. Right. I think it's a comfort thing. I think he's a guy that's been around, and, and if he can get in shape and and – pick up the new offense, whatever that is. He's been in, he's been with Jim Turner before. They obviously have a rapport. I, I think that he is like the, the, the fallback, the veteran. And, and it doesn't hurt to have a veteran in the room. I mean, you, you prefer a veteran like Andrew Whitworth rather than one with the record of John Jerry, but. It, we'll take Jerry out of the room. And how would you feel about left guard then? The same. Knowing we think bowling's out and the now same. you feel the same. Well, because Actually, then it's, it's Hopkins or Westerman. Well, I well right, and I want to see one of those guys. I want one of those guys to win the job, right? Yeah, I agree with you. I'd rather uh, be one of these young guys than a thirty-three-year-old. I, I love Jerry as a backup. That's that's a nice asset. That's what to I have. mean, right? Yeah. As a and I, that's why I made that argument that sure. That's why Turner probably is comfortable with it because at the very least, if those guys don't work, I like having Jerry in the room. He yeah. may not even make the roster though. If Westerman shows he can play, if Jordan looks like a backup, if Hopkins we know he can backup guard, Jerry may not make the roster. He would be the fourth interior backup, third interior backup. They would only keep four guys at guard with right, Hopkins being able to play multiple positions. Yeah, Redmond suspended, so he doesn't count. So you're definitely keeping as backups Michael Jordan, Trey Hopkins. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got uh, so John Miller and whoever starts right. at left guard. Yep, they'd give you five interior guys. And you'd probably like to keep four tackles if you could find four tackles on this roster. Paul Danner also mentioned in that piece, this is his most recent at theathletic.com. You can go check it out. Uh, that they he expects them to make a move at tackle, whether oh, really? it's trade or free agency. He just and and I agree with him, right? They're not they can't go into the season with Bobby Hart, Cordy Glenn, right. who's had injury issues, and two undrafted free agent rookies. They just can't. It's not ideal because you're going to end up dipping into that next line of depth. Yeah, it's inevitable. Right, it is inevitable. So Christian Westerman is our preferred starter at left guard. We talked about three left guards today. If Clint Bowling can get healthy and come back, excellent. We're, we're over the moon. Barring that, which we haven't heard is, is likely, right. Christian Westerman is a preference. Uh, and that's based on what he's put on tape in the limited, uh, limited sample, I guess you could say, that we, we've seen from him. An evaluation perspective, he's an athlete, he's strong, and he's tough as hell. I mean, if you... Just in his, he plays angry. Just in his 90 snaps last year, you could probably type, type in his name on Twitter, and you're going to get a bunch of highlights on on the video section because he threw guys down constantly and, and didn't give up, running downfield, pushing guys down. I mean, little things that you think Jim Turner will really like if he can get on the field and display it. I I think he'll win him over. He he quote unquote finishes his blocks, which from an on field results perspective actually doesn't matter. And, and sometimes you'd almost rather guys not finish blocks. And by finish, I mean pancake. Because right. if you can stay on your feet and get to another guy after you've done your job at the first level, sometimes that's better. But coaches generally love guys that finish their blocks. And it makes for good highlight reel watching. It's contagious. Sure. I think energy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and passion and playing, you know, and finishing the play is a good thing. So, yeah. you know, if he does it and it, and it, go, it grows on the O-line, because I think that stuff does definitely grow on the offensive line with guys around you. Um, then yeah, it's a good thing. And John Miller does that too. So I, and Bobby Hart does it. So Bobby, uh, Billy Price is supposed to be that kind of guy. We'll see if he does uh, more that in year two, and maybe they'll have a bunch of tough guys out there. Yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be fun if this offensive line some t- somehow coalesces into something that's a strength. Right. At least, you know, schematically, hopefully, they can work together. Because I do think that was the case with the O-line last year. Singular, one-on-one, they were bad. And they had uh, issues pass blocking. Yeah, I'm thinking in the run game here. Yeah, and as but as uh, as a scheme run blocking, I thought they were actually pretty good last yeah, year. And were. that's why Mixon had as many holes as he did. And Mixon's we've talked about him plenty of times, but I, I think, I think they actually, worked well as a unit. That's a good question to bring up. Is and we'll talk about it. I think when we get to the preseason, probably is well losing. Um. Frank Pollock. Frank Pollock, thank you. Uh, will that hurt the running game? Because he was. I, I think it will. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Jim Turner's run effective running games, but we'll have to see if he's able to mesh with Joe Mixon. And Mixon's going to be playing more out of a single back instead of a, a gun. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. I, w- I wonder why they made that switch. I wonder if Pollock just wanted to be out. Um, but because at first it seemed like he was going to stay, and then all of a sudden he was leaving when once Turner was hired. But that's because I'm not Turner. Because when Taylor was hired, when it's that's probably because Taylor wanted Turner, right? Yeah, it seems so, like Taylor Zach Taylor's very much a my guy kind of guy. Yeah, because I think Pollock would have been such a great fit for their wide zone scheme with the Rams. Because I think a lot of people don't understand that the O line coach 
is almost a run game coordinator for a lot of teams. Yeah. He designs these runs and these blocking schemes, and because of it, you're relying on them to to to, to replicate the Rams' offense. And now Jim Turner wasn't with the Rams. It's Zach Taylor. So maybe the passing game will look like the Rams. Maybe the running game may look a little different. And that's scary because I think we've all been kind of hoping, at the very least, we're going to get a similar run style from the Rams because Mixon and Gurley. Yep. So that wraps up the countdown to kickoff. Joe, did you see any of the Women's World Cup? I did. I watched it at work today. That's exciting. Am I huh? say that? Yeah. I don't know. Does, do you, do you, does your boss listen? Does he care? He, Probably not. He watched a little bit. No, neither. But he watched yeah. a little bit of it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. It was fun. It was exciting. I, you know, exciting. I felt the, the penalty kick was a little cheap. I didn't think, you know, I don't know the rules of soccer. I'll say that first. So watching it as an outsider, and and when you're an outsider and you say something like, oh, that's not right, all the soccer fans will say, nope, that's the rule. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't mean it makes sense to me. I mean, does that worth a free kick? I mean, at the very least, you look like, you know, what's those kicks called where everyone lines up in front? And at least give maybe that. But That's just a free free kick. kick. But if it's just, if it happens in the box, it's just automatically a penalty kick. Ah, because it was in the box. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. yeah, the box that you don't want to foul people in the box in soccer. But USA had so many chances; they could have scored twenty goals. It seems they constantly were putting yeah. pressure on. They took like on a really good fifteen more too. shots than the yeah. Netherlands or something. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Pretty fun. I'm a, I'm a fan of the USA winning the World Cup. Way to go, oh, US yeah. women! And Rose Lavelle, Cincinnati girl. That's exciting. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. They honor, she she did something at a FC Cincinnati game. I don't remember what it was exactly, but she she did something. <laughs> she scored a goal in the World Cup. That's all. Yeah, pretty cool. In the World Cup final to win it. Right, the final. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Thanks for sticking around and listening to us talk about left guards for 30 minutes. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.